Dad on Money is presented by the Small Business Accountants and Financial Advisors. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Dad on Money. I'm your host, Stephen Williams, and I am co-hosted by a rotating cast of my children, each with their own financial goals and situations. Today, I am joined by Alex. Say hi, Alex. Hi. Uh, Today, we are going to talk about the RDSP, but we've already talked a little bit about it. Alandra interviewed you on that in episode 15 if people want to kind of hear more of the technical side of things. Today, I wanted to get more into the personal side of things, why you got into it, and what it is that you do day to day to help people access the RDSP. Hey guys, Stephen here, just popping in to remind you that Dad on Money is brought to you by the Small Business Accountants and Small Business Financial Advisors. For all your accounting and financial advising needs, our small business is here to help you. Come and get your personal taxes done and put that refund to good use. Yeah, I'll uh, go through my story, I guess, on how I got involved with it. Yeah, yeah, start us off with the story. So... About 10 years ago, or thereabouts, uh, some good friends of mine, uh, they knew I did financial advising and tax and accounting and stuff like that. And they were like, we've got a child with autism, which of course I knew, um, but we heard about this RDSP. Should we do this? I was like, I don't know. I'll figure it out and I'll let you know. So off went, I went on my education journey about the RDSP and it took me three months to collect all the information that um, I needed to be able to go back to them. I talked to banks, other financial institutions, the government, uh, numerous government agencies actually because they all had a piece of it and we talked about the RDSP and I learned everything I could about it from all these people and At the end of the day, the banks um, were like, yeah, we really don't want to do this. This is just something the government has mandated us to do, and we don't want to do it. And through all my research, I found that it was the most amazing plan ever uh, for people that qualify for the disability tax credit. So I kind of made it my mission to be the guy to do the RDSPs. So I went back to my friends who had asked me about it. And I was like, thanks for asking me about this because this is the most amazing program ever. And yes, your son should get this. And we need to get this open and start collecting the grants and bonds that he's entitled to immediately. So we did that. And because the banks and other financial institutions that wanted to have nothing to do with it, I made it my goal in life to make sure that every Canadian that qualified for it was going to have access to it. So whether they could get it open, open it at a, a bank, which seems to be less and less nowadays. Uh, I get a lot of comments about that, but um, just be able to get it open. And so that's kind of where, what started me off. And so I continued doing more research on one who qualifies for the disability tax credit, uh, which would then qualify them for the RDSP, and just started to really delve into the disability tax credit document itself to see who qualified. So, of course, you know, people that are blind or have severe vision impairment, they qualify. People that are deaf um, or 
have difficulty hearing, qualify, and various others, of course. And so I went through that and really opened my eyes to who might qualify, because there's a lot of people that don't even know that they qualify, like somebody with Crohn's or colitis could qualify, not necessarily a slam dunk, but they could qualify, or type 1 diabetics, they qualify. And so it's just a, you know, it really opened my eyes to who qualified and how many people qualify for the disability tax credit and then subsequently the RDSP. So that was kind of my my journey in the beginning days of uh, how I got into this and why I'm so passionate about it. Yeah, and what I what I find really interesting is that I mean everybody knows about the RSP, right? That's that's something everybody's pretty familiar with because everybody has to save for retirement, and a lot of people are familiar with the TFSA. And even the RESP, but then it seems like the RDSP is like this forgotten savings plan that that is available to to Canadians who who qualify for it. And I don't know, is that just because there's a smaller group of Canadians that qualify for it, or what? What do you think is the reason behind it having so little education around it? I think. Because, one, because the banks don't want to do it. It is a lot of administration, and it is a pain when dealing with the government on this stuff. Like, not all the financial institutions deal with an RESP either. And so, you know, that one's more mainstream because, you know, every parent hopes that their child's going to go to post-secondary education. But it's it's still not, you know, really 100% mainstream either. Mm-hmm. But with the RDSP, the issue being is that... You know, there might be, I don't know, 7 million people that qualify for the disability tax credit in the country. And so, and maybe half of those, so we'll say three and a half, qualify for the RDSP because they're under the age of of, uh, 49. And these numbers could be totally out because you can't get any information from the government of how many people under the age of 49 qualify for the disability tax credit. So these are... These are kind of random numbers that other organizations have thrown out there uh, that support people with disabilities. So who knows what the actual number is. But really, it's a smaller smaller number of Canadians that qualify for the, the RDSP, even though we're talking millions of people. Um, you know, the banks really see that as, oh, that's a drop in the bucket. And if somebody's disabled... Do they have any money? Because really, the, the banks are looking for everybody's money. And so that's why they really don't want to do this. If they're getting 1000 bucks a year for somebody that's on um, disability support to collect that $1,000 in bonds that they qualify for to a maximum of $20,000, do you think the bank really wants to spend, spend the time on that or even you know, quite honestly, other financial advisors. There's a reason why financial advisors refer me to their, refer their clients to me because they don't want to do it. Right, right. Because they're like, I don't want the hassle of learning how to do this and what it is and all that stuff. You're the guy, so you just do that. And, you know, you get compensated for that as little as it might be. And so I don't have to worry about it. And I know my client's in good hands because you know what's going on. And so that's kind of how that ends up progressing. And so, you know, I do, I do a lot of RDSPs for 
clients that aren't even my clients. They're other people's clients. And I just help them out and do their RDSP and they continue doing their TFSA and RSP with their other advisor. And I'm more than happy with that um, because they just need the help, right? You know, you don't go to your mechanic when you have a sore throat. So you got to find the right people to have that help and to uh, get the information uh, that you need. Right, right. And I think it's excellent that you've been able to make a specialty out of this, right? You've really specialized yourself in this area. So you know about the updates, you know what's going on, you're familiar with the program, you've gone through this process so many times, right? And I think that really helps you service clients better. Now, you also spend a lot of your time educating the public and and people on the RDSP because, you know, people don't talk about it a lot, right? And, uh, and, and this podcast is part of that education that you're doing. So let's talk about what all you do, because you also present uh, at, at different places at hospitals and for different organizations. Isn't that right? Yeah, I've done presentations for a number of uh, different um, agencies that work with people that have various disabilities and, um, you know, done presentations for them. Uh, sometimes it's a, every couple of years do a presentation for them uh, so because they've always got new people coming through. I've done presentations for not specifically on the RDSP, but more so for the disability tax credit to open doctors' minds up to what the disability tax credit is because there's this huge gap between getting the RDSP and, and having an individual with the that has the disability because they got to go through a doctor to get the disability tax credit signed off on by the doctor, who then, which then the disability tax credit needs to be approved by CRA. And it seems like that that process of going to the doctor, if the doctor isn't aware of the disability tax credit or what it is or what it's used for, a lot of doctors are like, no, I, no, I don't do that. I'm not doing that. It's, you know, you don't need that or you don't qualify for that. But they don't understand what it is. And so because they don't make the judgment on that, CRA does. They just need to fill out the paperwork accordingly based on what their client's abilities or inabilities are. And then CRA makes that decision. But there's a lot of doctors that'll stonewall it and just say, no, I'm not going to deal with that. You know, thinking that, oh, CRA is going to come after them just in case they, you know, misspoke or something on the form. CRA's gone after two doctors since the disability tax credit was created back in the 50s. So, for lying on the form. So, really, doctors just need to be educated on this, on what it is and, and how it works. So, you know, I did a presentation at the Foothills Hospital, which was simulcast out to a number of other hospitals throughout Alberta, so that doctors could understand what the disability tax credit was. And it really opened, at least the ones that were at the Foothills that I saw in person, it really opened up their eyes and they were like, oh my goodness, I have so many patients that need this. And so, you know, it just, it helped, right? And I've done, you know, presentations with lawyers that help people with disabilities, you know, talking about the RDSP and stuff as well. And so, yeah, I do that on a a regular basis or just... uh, needed to go through that and, and 
make sure that um, we can get that get that done. Yeah. So obviously, doctors are a huge part of this chain and, and process and leading up to the RDSP. What do you think is the most important thing for doctors to know if they happen to be listening to this? What's the most important thing for them to know in order to better service uh, the these patients? Because in, I guess, in, in getting access to this, what's the most important thing? The most important thing is, is that like a lot of doctors, the comments I get is, oh, they're not an invalid, so they don't qualify. It's like, no. Like, there's some pretty capable people, you know, that are blind or that are, you know, are hard of hearing or or whatever that still qualify for the disability tax credit, but aren't in a bed permanently, right? Right. I I mean, even type 1 diabetes. Yeah. They just need to get over that thought of, oh, they have to have every possible disability that's on this form in order to qualify. And that's not the case. You know, I have... I have lawyers and doctors that qualify for the disability tax credit for various reasons. And, you know, there's no, no issue with that. You could make a million dollars a year, a billion dollars a year, and still qualify for the disability tax credit. There's, a, there's one uh, kid with uh, autism, uh, 19, 20 years old, who makes over $100,000 a year from his YouTube channel. And so... You know, it doesn't matter the money that an individual makes, they can still qualify for it. So, you know, that's kind of the, the thing there is that, you know, not to, not to prejudge, I guess, uh, when they're filling out the disability tax credit form. Just fill it out. CRA will make the determination. Right, and right. Yeah, you might have to answer some questions. Well, you know, this is helping your patient. And it's got to go through you. So just please help them out. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Other things as we kind of get into the back end of the podcast here, what other things do you think are really important to note? Or what things do you wish more people were aware of with the RDSP or disability tax credit um, to to kind of lead into the end? Really, I think the, the biggest thing is, is if you qualify for the disability tax credit, you're under the age of 49, you need, need to open up an RDSP. Even if, you know, like a child with speech delay, they qualify maybe from age two to eight for the disability tax credit for speaking. Get the disability tax credit, open up an RDSP from age two to eight, even if they don't qualify for the disability tax credit after age eight, they still get to retain that money that the government's put in there. At, you know, and then 10 years after the last government money went in, so from eight to 18, now they can use that money for whatever, whether that's education, a car, a house, whatever it is, they can use it for whatever they want. So, you know, if you qualify for the disability tax credit, even if it is for a short period of time, you got to open up an RDSP. You know, if if you're in your 40s and you need a knee replacement or a hip replacement because you have difficulty walking, get the disability tax credit, open up an RDSP, and then go from there. And then if you don't qualify after you get your knee and hip replaced, great. You don't qualify for the disability tax credit. That's probably a good thing, but you still get to retain that money that the government put into your RDSP. So 
there's so much money available for you, the government's going to spend it anyway. You may as well spend it on you for your time and effort and pain that you're going through waiting to get your knee replaced five years because the hospital, you know, got a, you know, has this huge waiting list. So take advantage of it. Yeah, I like that. I think education is definitely the biggest thing. That's what, what we're doing here, trying to educate people. If if people don't know about it, they don't know how to take advantage of it. I had a conversation with my roommate the other day about the TFSA, you know, and explaining what it, what it was. And these these programs that are set out, take advantage of them, <laughs> use them. So uh, with that, any final thoughts as we wrap up? No, just like I said, if you qualify for the disability tax credit, get an RDSP. I don't care if you can only put in 25 bucks a year. It doesn't matter. If you if you qualify for the three-to-one grants, even if you qualify for the one-to-one grants, you just doubled your money. Just get it open and collect whatever you can. If you can't collect a whole bunch because you don't have a bunch of extra money to put into it, that's okay. But just get it open and collect that money. It's important. Thanks for listening to Dad on Money. I'm Stephen Williams, and you can find me at smallbusinessaccountants.ca. And I'm Alex Williams, and you can find me at mechoradio.com. That's M-E-C-H-O radio.com. Dad on Money is produced by Mecco Radio. Of course, we are sponsored by the Small Business Accountants and Small Business Financial Advisors. The music we use is by Ian Post. This episode was hosted by myself, Alex Williams, and by my dad, Stephen Williams. And I edited this episode as well. Thanks for listening.